here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. Hey, welcome back once again to the Dharmic Evolution. Hey, if you have not yet done so and you're digging this show, go over to dharmicevolution.com and you can sign up on your favorite platform. This way, when the show comes out, it comes right to your phone. Dig it? I think it's pretty cool. If you like Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any of the majors, they're right on the homepage of the website, making it easy for you to sign up. We've got a rocket show for you today. This was a real fave for me. I love what this artist has done with his career and his sound. And he's got a brand new album out called Both Sides, recently nominated for a Juno Award for Adult Contemporary Album of the Year. He also has another album coming out later this year in 2020 with his wife. He was born in Brooklyn, New York, and he grew up in Toronto, Canada. His music career really took off in 1978 when he was signed to Warner Music in LA and began writing songs for and with, and get this, people like Diana Ross, Chicago, Kansas, Manhattan Transfer, Kenny Loggins, Bette Midler, Natalie Cole, Olivia Newton-John, Joe Cocker, Bonnie Raitt, Josh Groban, Cher, and Rod Stewart, including the worldwide number one hit, Rhythm of My Heart. He's also won numerous ASCAP, Juno, SOCAN, and Smooth Jazz Awards over the years. His songs have been on 35 million CDs, and he's recorded 16 albums of his own material. You better strap up your seatbelts, because we're taking a ride today on the Dharmic Evolution from the Music City with Mark Jordan. Mark, it's great to see you, man. Thanks for taking time out for the Dharmic Evolution today. I'm happy to be here. You know, you're having a hell of a career. <laughs> it's like, <Wow. laughs> I won't go away. I know I'm living vicariously through you as I, as I started going through like what you've done with your musical life. And it's, uh, it's really so impressive. And so um, it's so exciting, you know, to see what you're doing and you're still cranking away, like just relentlessly pursuing music, um, you know, uh, just every chance you get. And what an inspiration you are for so many other um, singer-songwriters, people who aspire to do music, which is what this show is all about. So I can't thank you enough for being here and taking the time out today to uh, to hang with us. Really great. Delighted. So your your newest record um, that is called Both Sides is is kind of a tribute to, I guess, maybe not only the past of great songs that have been written and recorded, but... Um, Maybe your affiliation with it, did, did these songs that you selected inspire you at an early age um, when you first started out? You know, my uh, father was a classical singer, and um, he played, he had, he had a record collection, you know, when I was a kid. And he, uh, although he was a classical singer, he loved all kinds of music. He loved folk music. Uh, he loved classical music. He loved the American Songbook. So I, I heard a lot of these songs growing up as a child, and um, they're sort of, they're part of me. I think I listened to as much Billie Holiday as I did the Beatles when I was growing up. And so I, um, I always wanted to do this record. I wanted to do it with an orchestra. It's a bit of an homage to my father in a way because he sang with big bands and orchestras. So I, uh, 
I just pick songs that that I I love, and and they don't have a. There's no one period that they're they're all in. I mean, we have Hoagie Carmichael, we have Lou Reed, <laughs> so and everything in between. Yeah, great stuff. Um, how did you um, like? What like triggered this to say? I want to do this with an orchestra, and I want to do this like really, really classy. Because you have like a um, a smooth jazz touch all over this, which I personally love. I think it's just, I mean, your your approach to the vocals and the arrangements are just so unique and original. Um, which is like when you first hear it, it's like, is this the same song? And then it's like, oh yeah, but it's better. It's better. <laughs> Well, it's hard to do covers, you know. It really is. Uh, yeah, because, I, you know, I'm used to writing everything. It's hard to do covers because people are always comparing them to the original. Yeah. So uh, you want to, you got to make it your own without destroying uh, people's memories in a way. Um, and uh, I, I was listening to Jazz FM uh, in Toronto and one day and I heard a, I heard an a orchestral arrangement and, and I thought, oh, wow, that's really beautiful. And I phoned the station, and I, lo and behold, it was done by a, a guy named Lou Pamonte right here in Toronto. And so that was the beginning of my thought process. That was the beginning of the, me wanting to do this with an orchestra. You know, why don't we give people a taste here? Let's start with uh, The Nearness of You. And this is Mark Jordan. When I'm lying alone in my room And the moon's shining down Like a yellow balloon All I do is Dream of you So near, so far Losing yourself in the stars It's not the pale moon That excites me That thrills me and Delights me Oh no It's just the nearness of you That brings this sensation Oh no It's just the nearness of you When you're in my arms And I feel you So close to me Soft lights 
to enchant me If you'll only grant me you ever so tight Oh, and to feel in the night The nearness of you of you. Hey, Mark, can you take us into the studio on this and also talk about, you know, how you got 
the orchestra is the Prague Symphony. Is that correct? Yeah. Did you, how yeah. did you How did you manage that? That's a pretty, that's a pretty cool deal. Uh, well, uh, uh, Lou has used them before. Okay. And um, they are just a great orchestra. They're affordable, and you can just you, you can go to Prague if you want and uh, sit with them. But we we did the bed tracks in Toronto: drums, piano, and bass. And then we sent charts and the drum and the bed tracks to uh, to Prague, and then we tied lined them into into the studio here, and so it, it was like real time, you know, it was like being there, really. Yeah, can you can you like describe to us like what it felt like when you were in the mix on this and it started to come together? Wow, you know, it was a dream come true, really, because Lou did a beautiful arrangement, but I'd never. I'd only heard it mocked up on synthesizers and to hear it come alive with an orchestra. I mean, there's nothing, come on, there's nothing like an orchestra. No, it's, you know, but but also the, the subtleties that you brought to it, you had this incredible sensitivity to the work and to the, you know, to the instrumentation with your vocals um, that just made the whole thing come alive. And I, I was just so appreciating this uh, last night and this morning listening to this um, and I, I, you know, I had a hard time picking out like, you know, which, which song, because there were just so many great moments, uh, in all the, the, uh, tracks that I heard on this really, really great. Um, when you started your career, you've, you've, you're a veteran of so many records, um, and so many things that you've done. Um, can you tell me about when you first started getting traction at as, as an artist, as a songwriter, um, what was actually going on that finally said, you know, people started to notice you and notice your work? Um, was it one particular song or just a well, period of time? Or? Well, I'll tell you, I, I went to Los Angeles. I, I had a, a, a record deal with Warner Brothers, and they flew me down, and uh, I made a record with uh, Gary Katz, uh, who's Steely Dance producer. And right. I worked with all those guys, and it was just such an amazing experience. Um, my records did okay, but they weren't big, big hits, you know, right. you know enough themselves. But but other artists started recording the songs, and um, so Warner Chapel, uh, the, pu the big publisher in LA, saw that, and they they signed me to a publishing deal, and. Um, and so I was just writing. I was writing songs. They never asked me to write for a, a person. They, they knew I, well, that's not one of my talents. I, I just wrote as if I was going to record every song. And I wrote those songs, and uh, they would pitch them to artists. And that's what happened in those days. Artists would go to publishers to look for look for material if they didn't write their own songs. And so it, it, and that really was the part of my career that, that took off more than my recording career. How, and, did, um, how did that feel to you, like when you started having that kind of success as an artist, did it change anything about you um, as far as writing? Did you say, well, I'm going to be a lot more um, uh, focused and targeted on a specific area or genre or anything like that. Or did you just say, I'm an artist, this is what I do, and, you know, take it or leave it. This is the songs I came up with. You know what? It, it was the only thing I could do. 
Right. The only way I can write a song that, that feels true, like to me, it has to feel, there has to be some truth. Right. In, in a lyric. And the only, so I, I, you know, if they were, if they said, oh, Madonna is looking for a song, Mark, can you write a Madonna song? I wouldn't know where to begin. Yeah. And uh, they, God bless them, they, they knew I didn't have that talent. A lot of writers do. Yeah. So I just wrote as if I was going to record everything myself, and that's how I could make it true. And, and, and then, you know, the people that recorded them brought what they brought to the party. But, but for instance, like uh, uh, Rhythm of My Heart, Rod Stewart, um, that was basically the demo. You know, we, we demoed the song like that, and, and uh, um, uh, but he just made it beautiful and big, and, and of course, his wonderful voice. Great song, great wow. song. Yeah, let's do another one here. And this one, you folks will recognize this. This is one of my favorites. Um, and uh, I think this is a Curtis Mayfield. So people, get ready. Here we go. All aboard. Get ready There's a train Coming You don't need No baggage You just get on Board All you need is Faith When you hear the diesels Humming You don't need no Ticket You just thank the Lord People get ready for the train to Jordan Picking up passengers from coast to coast Faith is the key when the doors are open So lay down your burden and just get on board Ain't no room for the hopeless sinner who would hurt mankind just to save his own. Have pity on those whose chances are fewer, cause there ain't no hiding from the kingdom.
you don't need no baggage You just get on board around it the way they ended up <laughs> well I, I i didn't but i trusted lou you yeah know, lou is a brilliant uh he's very and i you know i i could we the thing is we could spend as much because he lives here in toronto we could spend as much time to get them right as as we needed and you know we went through uh my god we went through uh we must have gone through 75 songs before we picked the ones you know, and I just play them. Uh, I'm just sing them while Lou played piano, and and they had to work on, at that level too. Right. You know, we stripped them back, and if they if if they if there was something there, then we then we moved forward. So you know, I have to give Lou a lot of credit for that. But 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 I, um, I just uh, they were all songs that I that I instinctively knew how to sing. And, and could bring my own, uh, I don't know what I bring to it, but something, you know, I, uh, it's, it's not really laid back, but, it, but, but there's a sort of a, a, a bit of a jazz harmonic sensibility I have. And, and I like to bring that to. Oh yeah. That's what it's all about. And, and you, you know, you, you hit it right on the head when you said, we had to make sure first that the songs stood by themselves. I mean, you can mm -hmm. add all the ten symphonies, but if, if it's if the arrangements aren't done right, yeah. you know, it's it's almost pointless. So um, you said you did seventy five. So that, that's that's amazing. So you guys sat and you worked out all seventy five and just said, "Hey, the cream rises to the top. Which are the ones that really grab us?" Yeah. No, we spent a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> um, researching it. Where's where's home for you? I know you grew up in Brick, Brooklyn, but are you um, living well, in I Toronto? Was, I was born in Brooklyn. Oh, you were born I in didn't, Brooklyn. Okay. My dad uh, uh, w was working in New York, and I, I was born in Brooklyn, but I, I I grew up mostly in Toronto. But then in you know in the seventies, I split and and moved to Hollywood or Los Angeles, and I lived there. I met my wife Amy Sky there, and. And when we had children in uh, 
I think it was around 1993, we came back to Toronto to be uh, with the family. And that's your home now? For, for, for yeah, yeah, you know, I spent time in L.A. Right. And, um, and my daughter moved to Nashville. She's a Zoe Sky Jordan. She's a wonderful artist. And so uh, we're, we're looking for a house down there, too. We'll split our time, I think. Yeah. Um, do you find that um, Nashville is a place that um, somehow inspires you differently on yeah. a different level than, than like L.A. or Toronto or any place like that? I mean, yeah. 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 I mean, uh, I used to go there uh, on writing trips in the uh, early 80s, and it was w quite different because it was solidly country Yeah, in those days, you know, those boots and hats. And, but... Um, now there's my, my daughter's very alternative. I mean, there's a huge alternative scene there. It's a, a bit of a jazz scene now. There's all kinds of music in Nashville. Yeah. So it's sort of become the Brooklyn of, of of LA in a way because it's affordable for people who are you know still still working at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it you know I moved here. I've been, I've been coming here for about six years. So I moved in August down here. Mm -hmm. And I noticed in only six years the transition, both not only to the city with traffic and just yeah. overwhelm on the highways and everything, but even musically, like you said, um, there's been a hybrid develop of country yes. music over the last five or six years. And it's like Absolutely. a lot of the traditional country people don't really like that, but, but you know, it's hard to... Uh, you know, Pete Townsend said it best when they, they asked him about punk after the Who had their big, you know, their big day on the, the sun or decade in the sun. And he said, it's not up to us to, you know, you know, like it or not like it. It's just up to us to get the F out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there's some of that, you know, it's like combining rap and hip hop with country and there's all there's all kinds of things going on. Yeah. But um, uh, but music it's a has great to, melting pot. I yeah, think. music has to find. I think it's its way. You know, it's got to find its niche. Yeah. So you're going to be doing an album with with your wife in in 2020. Is that correct? Did I read that right in your bio? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Um, any? Can you give us a, a tip off on genre or subject matter, or is it just something you guys have on the calendar? Have you like knocked it around a bit yet? Because she's got a career. Gotta be about life. love, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be about love. Yeah, um, I kind of figured. You know, they're, they're just songs we made into duets. You know, they weren't written probably as duets, but uh, yeah, just kind of Amer you know, Americana and just there. Then again, just cool songs. You know. Yeah. Have you guys done that before? Never. Never. That's this is exciting. <laughs> You know, I, I, I mean, I think it's, uh, I think it's so cool. I've been trying to get my son to do it. He's a singer songwriter in Austin, Texas, and uh, yeah. you know, he's wrapped up in his own thing right now. He's playing a lot, but it's, you know, I have that on my radar to say this would be really fun. But that's exciting. Um, I really, uh, I can't wait to hear what you guys come up with because I checked out some of your wife's work too, and uh, really, you guys are a powerhouse, a dynamo. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. It's going to be fun. Yes, yeah, so we've we've done we've cut a few things already. I mean, we're doing some of it in Nashville too. Yeah, great, so, great. Yeah. So, um, any particular place in Nashville that you like? Have you done recording down here yet, or just just writing so far? Um, no, I've recorded a, a a few things down there. I'm trying to think of the studios. 
um, I've used. It's pretty much um, rich in talent everywhere you go. It's yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. It's totally remarkable. I had a guy delivering me a FedEx package, and he got out of the car, and he goes, I, I got to get going. He goes, uh, you know, I manage bands at night. You know, it's like everybody <laughs> does something <laughs> musical. It's like, it's just so crazy. Uh, it's crazy. And, and you know, the, the, the Nashville players are brilliant. Yeah. And I guess it's because every time I go into the studio, like I use uh, uh, Ed C is a wonderful engineer that I, I use a lot and down there. And uh, he uh, has, a, has a studio. And, and the, the players have an instinct for structure down there. Yes. Song structure that I just love. Yeah. And they work so fast and they're, they're so, it's, it's so great to work there. Yeah, and I, I feel like when you invite them in to your song, you get better songs. Like, you know, um, after I'd worked with this group of guys, um, one of them was Paul Hollowell, who worked, who's been with Dolly Parton for like 20 years. And and he, he just came out after we had worked together for the first record. He said he just volunteered something. And I said, that's a great idea. So it's like once you kind of have that attitude of, listen, you guys are walking libraries of, of content and creativity. And if you have an open door policy, you, you benefit from it. I think, yes. you know, it's just a wonderful thing. Absolutely. Um, I think we got to do another one here. And this one is just a beautiful rendition. And you guys will love this one called both sides. Now, oh. Joni, here we go. Rows and flows of angel hair And ice cream castles in the air And feather canyons everywhere I've looked at clouds that Oh, but now they only block the sun They rain and snow on everyone So many things that I would have done But clouds got in clouds from both sides now from up and down and still somehow it's clouds illusions I recall Dancing 
somehow It's life's illusions I recall I really don't know life I really don't know life I really don't know Mark, that was just incredible. What a what a song, what a rendition. Um, really just, I mean, it's there's such a new appreciation of this song for me because I grew up with this like many of yeah. us did. Yeah. And, I, and I heard things in it that I even lyrically, that I never paid attention to, even though, you know, I'm a Joni Mitchell fan from way, way back, but you brought a whole new um, breath of energy into this. Can you take us in the studio and give us what your thoughts were when this thing well, came together? You know, Joni uh, uh, lived in Toronto when she was young, and I used to go see her for a buck. Yeah, at a club called the, <laughs> and I remember her doing that song when she was young. She wrote it when she was really young, and um, then she did a version with the London Symphony Orchestra when she was in her 70s. And I was so struck by the way the song became even more powerful with her older voice. Yeah. And that is the mark of a great song. It, 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 it amplifies um, if it's, if it's a, a really great artist like, like Joni. It amplifies what she brings to it. And it was just a stunning. It, 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 I, I, I feel it's one of the greatest songs in the, written in the 20th century. There's just something about that song that transcends and it teaches and it, 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 it speaks uh, uh, profound truths, I think. I, 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 just, I, I just love it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, we did an arrangement. I, I think Randy Brecker played on that one uh, as well. Played trumpet. Did he play trumpet on that song? I think he did. And uh, he played trumpet on a number of songs on the record. And he he, he just uh, he's just brilliant as well. He can feel it. Yeah, Joni had some kind of special gift. I mean, even that you know, like that song is just incredible. Another one she did was Woodstock, which I don't I never figured out like the time frames of how she had the sensitivity and the wherewithal to capture that the spirit of that moment. Yeah. And then Crosby Stills Nash and Young were, were were bright enough, or maybe it was without Neil at the time, I can't remember, but they had the the uh, the brilliance to say we better embrace this and did such a marvelous job of of representing that song but that again when you hear Joni's version it is so different and it's so captivating in its in its essence and its purity yeah. you know and there's just something about her that she she just did did brilliant work um with your touring schedule um 
how is touring for you these days, Mark? Is it is it really difficult, or do you still love it, or how is it kind of both? Or I I used to not like it. Now I love it. Great. And I'll tell you why. I I learned to take myself out of the equation. How do you and mean? That, well, when I go to a concert because I'm in the business, I'm always sitting there thinking. Oh, maybe I would have done that a little differently, or this this sound isn't quite right there, or you know, uh, you know, I'm sort of critical. Yeah, but it's because it's my work, and I I kind of assumed that all audiences were like me, and and then I real then I realized that they're not. Right, they're there because they want to be there. They're there because they want they want to be touched by music and the things you say. So I, I took myself out of the equation and I, and then I realized it's all about them, not about me. Right. And as soon as I realized that concerts are not about me, my concerts are not about me, they're about the people sitting in the audience, I began to enjoy it because I got so much back from them and, and it just, uh, I, 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 I just love it now. Do you prefer flying or driving? Well, um, depends on how long. Like there's a, you know, there's a, you can go in Canada, of course, the distances are so vast. So you go to a certain city and then you kind of, you know, van it around right. uh, in that, that area and, you know, so I can drive to a lot of, I can do 10 concerts uh, within driving distance of Toronto, say, and that, that works. Yeah. I think um, it's kind of a, a it's a um, coin toss sometimes. I feel that there's a certain freedom. I like driving because um, it allows me to think in a more, um, you know, especially if I'm by myself and yeah. think about, you know, songs and think about ideas uh, where you have a little more control too because of the you know the plane got canceled again or you know delayed oh. flight and that part of it is the part I find that oh, I don't have any control over this. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, so uh, I, I just ask because I'm always curious about you know songwriters on the road and performers who who you know what is their preferred modality of of travel just because it it presents so many different challenges or opportunities. You know, you know, there's a there's a book. I'm trying to think of the title. I, I think it's called uh, uh, "Dreaming on the Left Side of Your Brain" or something. And do um, uh, you notice? You know, you know that phenomenon. You're driving, and uh, you go, "Oh, where did the last hour go?" Yeah, because one side of your brain is driving the car, and the other side of your brain is dreaming creatively. Yes. And uh, so you get to think your own thoughts when you drive because what the, the chatter part of your brain is occupied driving. And you think you're not really paying attention, but you are, but you're also dreaming. And I think it's a very creative way to spend a few hours. I, 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 when I drive, I'm th dr thinking and 
you know, and creatively, and it, it, it's a it's a cool thing for sure. Yeah, you're writing songs. I, yeah, because yeah. you know, a lot of people don't realize that subconsciously, you know, that song I came up with last year, I, I wrote that three, four years ago. So I was thinking about it, but it just it went back yeah. in the file, and it just kept going back in the file, and then all of a sudden one day it's just all right, it's time to to do this. So. Um, I know it's a very therapeutic thing. I feel it's it's kind of underrated. We're so blessed in this country to have, you know, roads in Canada too. Like you, you can just drive and go yeah. like across. Like you can't do that in Europe. I mean, you can to to a certain extent now. It's better than it was. But um, no, no, I don't need to show anything to anybody. I can just drive yeah. here, here to California. And you're always sweating it <laughs> at an airport. You think, as you say, yeah. <laughs> You have no control. And, uh, I know, right up to the bell. Here. Are they going to cancel? Are they going to delay? Am I, and then it throws everything out, out of whack, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Your um, favorite places to perform, do you have a specific place, like really, really big um, places, intimate um, clubs? Is there a favorite spot, a sweet spot for you to play that you enjoy more so than others? There's two, two places... One place in Toronto and one place in a, in a town called London, a city called London, Ontario, uh, in Canada. And um, uh, the place in London is an old, I think it was built as a city hall or something. And it's a small theater. The sound is unbelievable, just a freak of nature. And it's called Aeolian Hall. Aeolian Hall. And... Um, it's is that after the the, uh, the the mode, the Aeolian mode, or is that? Yeah. Oh, it is. I, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what it's named after, and, right. the, and the the people who bought it and fixed it up are are wonderful guys, and they they're one of those a pianist, and and they just made it into this incredible music space, and it holds a few hundred people, and uh, and it's just brilliant. You can you can make a record there. Uh, the other place is Kerner Hall in Toronto, which is uh, uh, acoustically uh, one of the finest uh, concert halls, uh, maybe in North America. Wow, those you know that's such a, a good thing to hear because that's one of the greatest challenges I think for a lot of performing artists is to you know the, most people don't have that down like you just described. So when you get to perform in a place like that that really has their act together and that sonic landscape is mm. put together where you can say this is the way this is supposed to sound and um, it's it's amazing to have that. So I'm glad you, that you've you've found these places and, yeah. and shared no, them with uh, us. <laughs> and to feel good on stage, you know, to feel confident yeah. on stage, have good sound on stage, and to know that that is happening out in audience land. It's a, it's a, it's thrill. Yeah. It's a thrill. It, it kind of, it um, you know, underscores the value of your music and says, this is what I really worked so hard for. You know, this is my presentation the way it's supposed to be, you know. Yeah. I want to do this one that um, I know um, so many people love this song. And uh, this, again, a really, really different rendition of Wild Horses. Here we go. Thank you. 
special mark that was really that was really something no one's ever heard wild horses done like that <laughs> i love i love keith richards yeah you know, he was the writer on that he's amazing yeah they they just have um a, an incredible uh ability and tenacity to just keep going and uh yeah. i i like to share this story i was watching um one of these videos of they they were interviewing Mick Jagger and this he was like 21 or something and uh they said they said Mick um what 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 do you think's going to happen with the stones you know next year and and going into the future and, and he just turned he had this like dumbfounded look on his face and he goes uh, i think we're good for you know perhaps uh, maybe another 8 months to a year but we don't know after that <laughs> that was like 60 years ago or something <laughs> You know, 50 or 60, probably, you know, he was 21 then, and he just had no idea that they were even going to be, like, relevant, like, next year. He thought, well, we'll just do a record, and it's going pretty yeah. well, but that was it. So I think um, when I, I, I think about this a lot, how um, I think at some point people started to realize in the business world of these brands having tremendously more value than people thought they did. And case in point is like Aerosmith kind of just fell off the face of the earth and they they seemed to clean up their act personally and professionally. But I think somebody got a hold of them, their manager or somebody was reading something about it and convinced them, you know, this is why you should do this. I mean, look at what you've put into this. And, you know, they went and had another 25-year career after all yeah. that. And still, I think, still continue to do so. And uh, I think a lot of bands um, do that. So um, it's just, I guess, the, the music business, even though it's different the way people make a living, um, I think people are figuring out other ways to do it with live performance and so forth. Where yeah. do you come down all that when you look at, out at um, the music business right now, Mark, as, as the way it's reshaped itself and changed um, do you have any words of wisdom for those who are aspiring artists out there who are, you know, really trying to get traction into, um, their, um, careers? 
Well, you know, we're going through a revolution in a way, uh, the digital revolution, and it's changed everything. I mean, uh, when I was uh, in the thick of it, uh, you the you could make a living by selling CDs. There was a physical product to sell. Now most people get their music for free. Um, so although you can, through the internet, you can, the penetration's amazing. I mean, you can, you can get to people all over the world. It's, it, the competition is fierce and they don't, and, and, and they don't really pay the creators right like they should i mean it's ridiculous you need a billion streams to 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 make enough money to get you know buy a cup of coffee and a donut yeah so that that is changing and uh there are people working very hard trying to change that so so that that writers and performers are compensated for their you know what's out there uh, on spotify yeah etc and that has that has to change. Otherwise, you know, people won't do it. The 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 only way really to make money is to get out and play live, which is which is great. Right. But not 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 everybody d can do that forever, and uh, uh, and uh, it it doesn't really compensate writers in a sense, you know. So. So the songwriter, the guy who just sits and writes songs, is sort of um, not around anymore. Yeah. You know, unless unless uh, you can go out and play, because you just can't make a living. You know, I when, when I was, uh, you know, when I first started, uh, you know, a publishers publishers would give you enough. You know, if they want, liked your work. They they would they would sign you and they would give you enough money to live, not not a great deal of money but enough to live, so you could do what you do, and that is I got up every day I signed a publishing deal, I got up every day and I wrote songs, you know, uh, but today it's harder it's harder on young kids and uh, so that has to get straightened out and it and it will I, I look confident. Yeah, um, the art form will, will never die. It's um, it's no. too it's too valuable. Um, but 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 you're right. We have to. Uh, you know, I remember you two about five or six years ago came out with a new album. They said we're just giving it away for free, and I was so upset mm -hmm. because it's like this is not this is not a good move on behalf. Of, well, that's fine what you're doing, but on behalf of all the struggling artists who are trying to make their way in the door, this sends a terrible message. You're devaluing the currency of music by doing that. And yeah. it, it, you know, it just gets me crazy. So it, it's, I think it's, like you said, it's easier than ever to connect with people, but it's harder than, to, than ever to manifest you know, a revenue stream vis-a-vis you know, yeah. -vis selling you know, product. Our intellectual uh, properties have been compromised. Yes. So I'm always trying to keep the conversation going at least to you know people's awareness to say how can we make this better you know and yeah. and i don't have all the answers but i keep i keep trying <laughs> yeah no no but we have to do it we we have to do it yeah so when is your uh, next trip back to nashville uh probably in a, in a few weeks um uh i think i have uh, some writing to do down there excellent and, uh so 
um, probably, you know, within the month anyway. Yeah. And you said you're very, very close to Trump. Yes. Yes. You said your daughter works out of Nashville too? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Zoe Sky Jordan. And she is a brilliant singer songwriter. I'm going to look her up. I already researched your your lovely wife. I'll have to check out your your daughter as well. And um, just as we're parting, uh, Mark, um, I wanted to thank you so much for being a part of the Dharmic Evolution. Do you have any uh, parting words of wisdom, anything you'd like to say, and anything um, on the marketing department side of your career coming up? I know you have the new album coming out, but anything else you want to share with us before we um, say our goodbyes? Well... I think people like you really move the program forward. Music is so important. It's our first language, and it's the language of our hearts, and it's it's the language of uh, revolution as well. It's important. It's important politically, and it's it's important emotionally, and uh, we must never lose sight of that, and we must never compromise our artists because uh, to do that, that, you know, there's no art in the world, especially music. What is this world we live in? Amen. Kudos to you and and people who who keep it, keep pushing it out there because there's a lot of great music out there. You know what's you know what what you just said and and who um, who backs up that thought is some of the most successful um, people in Hollywood um, actors mm-hmm. all want to be on stage playing an instrument and singing. Yeah. <laughs> that says Isn't something that right? because as much as you know the fanfare and all the things that go with that, there's nothing that really connects to your heart like you just described as music. So uh, I thank you for that thought and thank you for the for the kind words uh, you said about the sh- me and the show and so forth. And uh, listen, we'll put all your your links in the show notes and connect everybody to all your socials. And Mark, I just want to thank you so much for being a part of the Dharmic Evolution. And uh, I just want to wish all of God's blessings on you, your music, and your family. Thank you, my friend. Same to you. Thank you so much. The nearness of you. People get ready. Both sides now. And wild horses. These are the classics redone by the brilliance of Mark Jordan. Check it out on both sides. His newest release, nominated for Juno Award for Adult Contemporary Album of the Year. Don't miss it. It's packed with gems and beauties. We covered a lot of ground today with Mark. Seeing Joni for a buck. The Mark and Amy album. It's all about love. Randy Brecker on trumpet. At a concert, it's all about them. Aeolian Hall, Kerner Hall, brilliant sound. If you can play live, get out and do it. Thank you also to Nicole at Dead Horse Branding for setting this up for us. Thank you to Ezra on the technical side. And I hope you guys dug this interview with Mark Jordan. Check out his website, really cool, markjordan.com. That's M-A-R-C, Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N, and Mark Jordan Music. Hey, if you have not gone over to the Dharmic Evolution Facebook community page, you should do so right away. Do you want to support other artists from around the world? How about author, speakers, and thought leaders? 
In 71 countries around the world, people are doing just that, supporting artistry, in the artistry especially. So if you've got a presentation, a speech, if you've got a new song, a new video, a new photo shoot, are you playing a gig somewhere, post it on the Dharmic Evolution Facebook community page and watch the support come to you. Also, go over to dharmicevolution.com and check out the 257 shows, I think it is now, of uh, artists and authors, speakers, and thought leaders from all around the world. You can check out their videos, their photo shoots, all about the artists, listen to their music, and uh, become a fan for life. That's it for me today. That's a wrap. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor, singer, songwriter, audio, video artist, master storyteller, and international talent agent. So until the next time when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage.